Happy post SDCC, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Excalibros. Hello. Hello. As, as hopefully you can tell, we have a special guest on, on this week. We have, uh, well, Al, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Al Sedano. Um, if you actually know who I am, which is weird then, I'm the host of uh, Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, which makes sense while I'm here. <laughs> we have uh, sort of a mutual acquaintance in, in Jason on the podcast that goes snicked. So uh, that's how I sort of came across your podcast. And we're super happy to have you on. Oh, so uh, am I. I love Excalibur and Generation X. And I did like Exiles a lot, too. So works for me. Awesome. Free for free. Well, free for three. Maybe. <laughs> so how are you guys doing today? Are you excited after all the uh, Comic-Con news yesterday? That I'm was a tired. lot of news. Oh, you're tired. <laughs> I'm tired from it. <laughs> I got too excited, and then I had to fall asleep. Uh, I forgot it was that this week. And all of a sudden, I see a flood of news online. I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> I was, like, I was I could... waiting all day for stuff to happen. I was, like, like refreshing Twitter like crazy. I'm, I'm sure I missed loads, like, in, like, the fray of whatever marvel was doing i'm sure like oh like um picard i'm sure everything else happened at the same time so i was like i'm, I'm positive i've missed everything else i'm sure there are other com companies right there isn't just one yeah I, I saw some of the dc news but not much and i missed some of the other stuff like i didn't see until this morning that natalie portman's gonna be in the new thor movie yeah oh. it's that's huge yeah we we saw that live not should i say <laughs> georgie Charlie showed, showed me it live straight away. Yeah, that's the reason Dan couldn't sleep because I kept like, oh my god, and then and then Kevin Feige said this, and oh no, and then they said this, and holy shit, he said this. Well, the fun thing is, right, is I tried to silence you, but my phone fused. <laughs> but at first, it was like pings, and then I turned the pings off, and then it was like, zzz, zzz, and I was like, oh god, okay, I'll put it on silent. But my phone, for some unknown reason, lights up when I get DMs on Twitter, and I was like, oh my god, room. So I just I gave in and waited. Until it I, I told you to tell me if you guys didn't want me to text you anymore, and you're like, "No, go for it." So I, I just got, kept going. Yeah, then I got, I got. Then four was announced. I got super excited, and I, I was like, "Okay, I'm awake now." So <laughs> I'll listen to the rest. <laughs> well, I think uh, with all the news, the most pertinent uh, news is. Um, a number, you know, as they were announcing the the House of, of X and Powers of X slash 10 books, uh, they also announced uh, the new books, new line of books that are coming in October. And uh, there's a new Excalibur book coming, which was kind of rumored uh, for a little bit. And we're super excited to have a new book come out. Uh, you know, when we started this, we had two Exiles going, which was sort of the impetus to, to get this podcast going. And, and once that ended, we added Gen X. But it looks like we might have... Uh, four books going on here in October. So, um, you know, with this new new Excalibur book, uh, Dan, do you want to read off who the uh, the characters are? Um, the the, the uh, Mahmoud Azra uh, cover is my phone background. So um, <laughs> it's Rogue and Gambit, because uh, Jubilee and Richter, uh, Apocalypse, and Betsy as Captain, going back to her good old Captain Britain days. Um, with a sword, mm -hmm. I think. 
I haven't, I haven't missed anyone else out because that's all that's on the cover. So that's yep. all that matters. That's all right? on the cover. And it's going to yep. be written by, uh, was it Trini Howard? Teeny Howard and uh, art by Marcus Toe. So uh, that's a pretty nice um, creative team, especially Toe. Uh, I don't know much Howard, but Toe was great on, um, boy, what issues did we read recently with Jason that he was he was drawing on? Oh, um, oh God. Was um, it Extermination? Oh, jeez. Uh, I can't remember because he just gets lost. Marcus Toe did a lot of. Um, I think he did a bit of X Men Gold at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, the storm, the storm story. Um, but in general, Marcus Toe is just an awesome artist, so that's great. And isn't Howard like writing? Because I feel like she, like I haven't read any of her indie stuff or any of her other stuff, but isn't she like doing like five new series for Marvel? Oh wow! Yeah, she's remember? doing. She's the current writer on the current Thanos miniseries. That's and um, I believe she's also going to be doing the Death's Head miniseries. Yeah, mm. and she's mm-hmm. going to be doing this. Isn't she the one doing Strike Force as well? Yes, that's um, right. Thank you. That's right. Like, wow. Yes, it's going to be on, like I don't know who who this one wonderful woman is, but she seems to Marvel seems to be confident giving her four series to start. So yeah, well, that Thanos series is halfway over. It's pretty good so far, and she's actually doing something that's never been hasn't been done before in his past, which is trying to reconcile the uh, a bit of the origin with Gamora and everything that was kind of wiped out in the original story because of the whole timey wimeyness of it in that original story of the Magus. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad that we have the uh, Thanos expert on to help explain all that. Uh, you don't have the, you don't need the whole episode for that one. <laughs> um. But what do you guys think of the, the team? I mean, we, we talked about the creatives, but what do you think about the actual cast of characters here? Um, I, to be honest, it's so bizarre, like a lineup of um, characters that I'm kind of like, she either didn't get what she wanted to choose or she had free reign and chose like the most bizarre team makeup that she could <laughs> figure out. I kind of like it. Yeah, it kind of reminds me a bit of uh, when Excalibur first started. I mean, really, it was just kind of like, okay, well, I got these leftover X-Men. Yeah. And we're going to be in, you know, we're taking, let's see, let's put it in England. Oh, yeah, there's Captain Britain still. All right, that works. Yeah. Yeah, So it's kind of like a similar thing. You know, we're going to be Excalibur, so we need a Captain Britain. And I guess who we got left? Well, what's weird is, like, like Brian, you know, they had that big, like, slate of all the characters they're going to use. And Brian was was on on there, so... What what is he going to be doing? Babe, looking after his kid, hopefully. Um, <laughs> okay. Being a father, he's a, yeah. He's a terrible person, so maybe maybe he just accidentally dies in the first issue. Oh God. <laughs> maybe they're going to do the whole, you know, more than one Captain Britain. Yeah. Could. You know, yeah, I'm happy that. Like yeah, I'm happy that Rogue and Gambit found another place to be, you know, spotlighted. Uh, I, I kind of fell off, but I really did enjoy the Thompson series. I think we, the uh, their their mini, their honeymoon mini was was really nice, and their uh, Mister Mrs X, at least the first half, was really fun. And there were sort of like hints and ties to Excalibur in that, so maybe that's part of the reason why they're on the team. Mm. I, I just find like it what? funny. I just find it funny that once again we have an X uh, X Men solo series, well, more or less solo series that. Does not not get past issue twelve. I mean, yeah, it's like unless you're Wolverine or Cable. Yeah, 
It's like, nope, 12 issues, that's it. Your ongoing's going to end now. Unfortunately, that seems to be the way things go. Man, they all came, they all came, all of those books seem to come to the end of the same, the same sort of 10, 12 issues. So. Yeah. I mean, granted, it's best they're doing this whole relaunch, but still. Mm. I think I was not... Oh, go ahead. There isn't a so there isn't a solo book, is there? There's no solo X book that, like been announced. It's just it's just teams essentially. I suppose the closest would be Fallen Angels, which is three people. But yeah, yeah, there's no solo X books. Weird. Which also confused me because I had no idea Kwanin was alive again. Yeah, she showed up in Uncanny. I want to say. Yeah, she did, and I thought they were just gonna. I don't know what they. Good, good for them. They've got they've got two two Psylocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like I well, didn't know I Pyro that... was alive. Um, I think that might be the new Pyro, the newer one. Oh, the one that's that with well the one like, that's with Iceman. Hold on. I mean it could be, but there are a bunch of characters that Rosenberg killed off that were now on these teams, so I don't wanna like it could be anything. We have no idea. After I his said, after but... his minis are over, it could all be like, hey, all that other stuff. We erased it all, and all the characters that died are back, so forget it. We went to Australia. We found them all. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want it to be um, the new one, and I know I hated the fact that Guggenheim put him and Bobby together, but I'm like, screw it. Have 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 a gay couple on a flagship title. There's a lot of gay characters, like, literally on each title, it would seem. Like Richter in Excalibur, for example. Right. True. So it's, quite, it's quite fun to see, because it seems like a Excalibur seems like it's got one of the, a new mutant seemed like the most diverse cast mm-hmm. of characters, um, which is always quite fun to see. Um, also, as we're a Gen X podcast, anyone else notice that Gen X characters are getting like a a push yeah. in this new because it's one of Hickman's favorites, isn't it? Um, it's so... really nice to see. I was so happy that Jubilee's on Excalibur because it really, I mean, not just for our podcast, but I love Jubilee, so it's like, all right, nice to see her actually. Being a book again. Yeah, and Mondo's and, back in one of the teams. I'm like, right. Mondo? Like, wow. Yeah, he's, he's on Chamber, you, right? Book. Yeah, Mondo and Chamber. And then in House of X, um, they've named a Penance now, haven't they? But M and Husker, like, practically on every cover for House of X. Awesome. So, yeah, and when they showed the image of all the characters, I think they're, I think the plan is for X-Men, because I think they said that's going to be X-Men's going to be like a, not a, it's going to be a rotating cast of people. Okay. I did see um, Penance on there, definitely. I'm trying to remember who else I saw on there. I know I saw Penance. There's a massive, massive board of characters. Yeah. Maggot. Was like, oh, yeah, Maggot, next. yeah. But it'd be nice to see if Hickman just resurrects um, Skin and Sink and just do away with the final Chuck Austin um, plot oh, point. Oh, that, hor- oh, that was horrible, that thing with Skin. Like, what the hell? I, I have been just to like, it, it's part of one of the holes in my reading, but I went through and read all the New Mutants, uh, not New Mutants, New X-Men uh, Morrison run. And at the same time, I decided I would read Uncanny to see what was going on. And just comparing those two books was like, you know, Morrison, it doesn't always land, but he, he has like grandiose ideas and like vision where the Uncanny stuff was just so awful. And seeing Skin just like suddenly like crucified, and he's like the one mutant that Angel can't fix was such an odd choice and like a throwaway. And and then after he's died, they, they go to bury him. And then 
the people who own the cemetery are like, yeah, we can't bury him here because he's a mutant and you can't have his body back. So we cremated him and here are his ashes. It was really, it was almost like Austin had a, an issue with the character. It felt really vindictive. <laughs> Either that or maybe he had a plan to bring him back because that's now a convenient way. Oh, no, we don't have, you missed, you know, there's a nice convenient part where his body is gone. Oh, right. <laughs> and here's his ashes. We swear it's his ashes. Right, really? right. Wink, yeah. wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> but it is nice to see the Gen X kids um, get some limelight. It was nice to see, like, that massive board of characters having, like, a lot of generations. Yeah. Um, of, of characters, rather than just, like, um, the seeming obsession that the X, X-Men editorial have uh, with, like, we can't age them, so don't make any young characters. Um, so yeah, it, it seems nice like... Everyone. It seems like they go through a, a, like phases and they keep going, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to get rid of all the old new characters we brought in because we don't they're not ours. We're going to make up our own new team of new characters. Uh-huh. And the X-Men are basically going to be, uh, well, you know, the same eight characters you're expecting to be the end of the X-Men with maybe one random surprise. Right. You know, And then we'll add new characters and then the next writer is going to come on and, okay, we're going to get rid of these characters. And now we're going to start young X-Men. Or happens, whatever the yeah. or whatever the new team is called. Unfortunately, yeah, I think part of that is the especially now writers get paid; they get residuals if characters they create are used in other books, so they're trying to make a little bit of money. But uh, it's unfortunate. But it is cool to see basically characters from each generation of X team represented on that board. Oh, that's right. Now I remember. The character I was most surprised by, not even Mondo, although Mondo surprised me a lot, or Maggot, Lifeguard. Yes, I said that. I said that in the chat. I was like, why is Lifeguard there? <laughs> who, who, who remembers her, apart from, like, as Nerdy? Like, literally, who remembers Lifeguard? Um, it was it blew my mind, because her brother's not there, but um, she's there. I was like, what? But, but yeah, so... It's it's Hickman. He likes to do crazy stuff, so which is fun. Yeah. Is there you know outside of Excalibur? Is there another book that you guys are like, wow, I can't believe this is here, and I love this team. Marauders, for me, I just like yes, that's the team I want to see. <laughs> so. Marauders is quite intriguing, and definitely New Mutants. I I want I want to read New Mutants. It's just I'm not a massive Brisson fan. But Hickman's there, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah. So at least the first story arc. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think those are the two books I'm looking forward to as well, uh, outside of Excalibur, partially because of the team on the New Mutants. Um, I was glad to see that, you know, recently dead members are back on the team, so that was mm-hmm. that was good. <laughs> and uh, the art team is gonna. I mean, isn't Rod Reyes on New Mutants? Yeah. So that's gonna. It's gonna look amazing. Yeah, and he which can, one? Sorry, go on. I was gonna say he can mimic um, a lot of different people's styles, like when he did the um, Wild West ex- Exiles issues. Those are gorgeous. Um, exciting times. And what book is Lionel Yu doing? I forget. Is he doing just regular X Men? Yeah, I think. Yeah. Okay. Which is the Summers plus who? Who had someone had put it like the Summers Clan plus their pet rat uh, book. <laughs> I, I saw it as Uncle Wolver- as you know the family uncle. Oh yeah, that works too. <laughs> it's weird because I thought out of all of them, I'd be like, oh, 
I'd be super jazzed. And then I saw that lineup, I was like, no, I don't. I'll read it. <laughs> it's an I'll interesting to idea it. to be like, yeah, let's address all the summers uh, as like a main book. Um, because I don't, I mean, Scott is normally a focus, but the whole family, they got a lot of stuff to work out. So maybe this is where Hickman works out a lot of that. I do like Fallen Angels mainly because I'm intrigued to follow Laura's story. Not so much Young Cable, um, but I'm intrigued going forward. Was that Young Cable or Old Cable? In that? It's a cable. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the young one, but I could be wrong. It's, it's the young one in, in X-Men, but in Fallen Angels, I thought it was the old one. Whichever, it, it's a cable. That's, it's a cable. Right, it's right. Cable. <laughs> one of the many cables. Or is it a strife and we just don't know? Oh, God. Let's not start. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I think X-Force is the other one that I'm kind of like not that fussed about. But, which is weird. I think the ones with... Um, Jean in her Marvel co- girl costume with that Marvel girl code name kind of put me off life, so I just avoid them. Mm. <laughs> it was a surprise to see her called Marvel girl again. It was, um, yeah, I feel like she's aged out of that name a while ago. Mm-hmm. Like if yeah. Kitty can still be, be Kitty Pride, can't she still be Jean Grey? Right. Um, but. You know, yeah. I just noticed we don't have any of the Maximovs on here anywhere. No? They're all Avengers now, I imagine. Not well, now. you know, Ma- Magneto's featured heavily in the House of Powers of stuff, so uh, you know, where I wonder what, where, where, what he's going to be up to. Oh, do you think they'll ret- retcon the whole they're not mutants, now they're mutants again? Oh, business. That, that would be nice. Yeah. Um, so what's happening with the uniforms? Because they keep because like Rogue's got her classic '90s one on, and everyone's like changed. Is it just because Hickman said it's just fashion now, and it's not? There's no such thing as uniforms. They're just it's just mutant fashion, and everyone's going to just wear different things every time. Who knows? Because I was like, why has everyone got like? Because some people, because on the uh, Talking Excalibur, people have updated costumes, and then Rogue's randomly in like a old <laughs> one. I'm just like, that's a weird way to choose. But, I mean, going back to old, Rogue's old stuff for a while, I mean, in Uncanny Avengers, when that first started, wasn't she kind of wearing, like, a variation of her, like, Brotherhood costume with the hood and everything? Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it could also just be a factor of a lot of things we're seeing now, which is a lot of creators coming on going, I want to do the stuff that I read when I was 12, so... Right. Which is why, yeah. for instance, if you go over to DC, Green Lantern is, you know, Hal Jordan's back, Barry, you know, Barry Allen's back. Has, you know, speaking, and this is way off tangent, obviously, um, I really enjoy, like, the first couple issues, like Morrison's Green Lantern, but I couldn't really be bothered to continue. Have you guys kept up with that one? No, I kind of dropped yes. off. I thought, I thought I'd trade away it. Yes, it's very weird, but it's entertaining. Yeah, that's how I found the first couple issues as well. But like some of like some of his better if if it's going to be like some of his better stuff, it'll probably work out all better when he like the story's over and you read exactly. the whole thing. Exactly. <laughs> all right. To be honest, I think, to be honest, I've dropped, apart from the comics we're reading, I've dropped off reading comics, and it's all Jason's fault because he's making me, he made me read Uncanny X Men. Yeah. Oh, the current was, series. Yeah, that it, it took me a while to get over and like catch up on on things as well. Um, I, I think Dan, you're in that rut that I was in for a while. 
I just look at comics and I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's not talk about comics for a minute. Uh, Marvel announced uh, ten new uh, movies slash TV series. Uh, is there like a notable one for you guys? Um, four and Cap. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna call them Cap. Four and Cap. The the Cap Winter Soldier one. I know it's called the Falcon, isn't it? But Cap and Winter Soldier. Have you seen the logo? Two... They've got the nice like shield going on behind it. Oh, I haven't seen the logo. I just saw that it exists. Yeah, it's a nice logo. Yeah, I would definitely agree with the Cap Winter Soldier and movie wise. Possibly either Thor or the uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah, when I saw that announced, I was like, I mean, obviously the Thor, we, we're all sort of in agreement that that's has potential to be something amazing, uh, especially with uh, the same director running things. But that uh, Doctor Strange is like, all right, they're gonna they're gonna go for the weird and the wild here. So that's exciting. Yeah. Multiverse of madness. Yeah. Who's to, who's directing? Is it still the horror director directing? Doctor yes. Strange. And he said that it's going to go in a more like horror themed uh, sort of direction. Um, I'll watch One Division if it's just them two basically married, walking around, having fun, rather than doing anything. <laughs> to and, and as long as we get Paul Bettany Vision wearing that astonishingly good um, cardigan, I'll, I'll, I'll watch it for that. Um, oh, and um, for the Doctor Strange movie, speaking of that, I saw something there alluding to this, and I was just checking now. She is in the cast for Doctor Strange. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Wanda will be Again, there. I, I am very much looking forward to um, Eternals and Shang-Chi, mainly because um, isn't uh, Tony Leung is going to be the Mandarin mm-hmm. in Shang-Chi, and that blows my mind. And the cast for Shang-Chi looks awesome. Oh, thank you. For, I forgot about Shang-Chi. I'm a, uh, Yeah. And the Eternals, um, I like the fact that they've already gender bent like half of the Eternals. Like Samayek is um, Ajax, and I was like, "What? That's awesome!" <laughs> I'm totally on that idea. So, um, I do. I, I think it's going to be fun um, now that they've decided to embrace madness. I suppose. Yeah, I was also like, I was you know live texting Jason and and uh, Dan about everything happening. And then, you know, I thought the announcement's over. And then at the very end, Feige's like, hey, uh, can we bring out Mahershala Ali? Because he's going to be Blade. It's like, what? What? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's funny that the um, Paul Black Widow movie. Um... No one cares about <laughs> it's totally now. Yeah. It's totally overshadowed by everything else. So, I was like, oh, dear. Because I saw someone was like, oh, Taskmaster. And I was like, I think you're the only person on my Twitter feed that actually wants to see that movie at this moment. Um, everyone's too busy saying that Valkyrie's going to go get her queen. And that's all that matters. Um, that's all I'll be watching that far film for, is, is, is that wedding. I want, I, want, <laughs> uh, I want two queens of Asgard. That'd be brilliant. It's going to be a good couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, Not to mention, they didn't bring up another Spider-Man movie. The Guardians wasn't talked about. Um, no, Black Panther later. wasn't talked about. Captain Marvel wasn't talked about. Plus, there's FF and, and Mutant stuff. So they got all kinds of announcements they could still make. I believe on one of those 
board things they took pictures of from, you know, showing like the whole lineup that it says at the end, FF confirmed. They just don't have anything for time yet for it. And I believe I read somewhere that said Feige did say that, yes, Black Panther 2 and Captain Marvel 2 are coming. Yeah, I mean, he mentioned everything that I, I just said. He mentioned, oh, okay. except been... for Spider-Man, he didn't mention. Um, but he's like, yeah, we're working on all of it. We just can't tell you more details. So it's it's interesting. When's Disney's little event? Because this isn't that later in the year. Yeah. They'll probably, announce, they'll probably announce something. I'll show trailers then. Yeah, it could be D23. They could, you know, announce yeah. more stuff then. And but then I think I saw that uh, James Gunn said Guardians is after uh, he finished his Suicide Squad. So right, that's probably why they're waiting on that one. Yeah, a lot of stuff coming. A lot of stuff. Yeah, now I got to get that damn Disney thing. <laughs> gotta. It's it, it depends on how expensive. I have no idea how expensive that would be because it isn't hasn't like there's like a million of them coming out next year. Like one of us has got a HBO one coming. There's there's an NBC Universal one coming. There's Disney Plus. Um, is there another one coming next year as well? It's like Maybe. HBO Max or something. Okay. Um, it was advertised in this country because um, HBO. We don't really have HBO. It's like sort of the the shows are bastardized and all oh, right. Chopped around loads of different channels, mainly on like Sky on this in this country. So we don't really have like a dedicated HBO thing so um gotcha but i was just like it's gonna cost a fortune if you want to watch tv in the future mm. well I mean, here's the thing though as long as they don't go the amazon route which is well, for prime which is you pay for the whole year worth for the most part but you can but the thing is for the most of them it's month there's monthly things and you can always cancel so my thing is how many shows you're gonna watch at once how many things you're gonna right. binge? right you know pick the one thing that you like that you're always watching and that's your, that's when you keep, and then everything else you just rotate per month. You know, hey, this month I want to watch the uh, ooh Swamp Thing's over now. I'm gonna watch, you know, watch Swamp Thing this month, and then next month I want to watch Picard. Well, that'll be over, so I'll get CBS. And the month after that, right. The good thing for us, though, unlike you guys, it's all the DC Universe stuff and the CBS Star Trek shows come onto Netflix outside of the US, so I can just have Netflix for all of that. Yeah, there you go. So it's lucky, but um. Disney will Disney will allow that to happen. No. So, uh, <laughs> but I, I don't think, expect it to be was, too expensive. I think I saw Disney's gonna be like six, seven bucks. Yeah. Oh, now that God, might be that, that's like four quid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll be I'll, I'm fine with that. For, for all of the, hopefully they'll have like all of the animated X Men shows and stuff like that. Cause that's fun. Oh, that's half the reason I like the DC, uh, the DC Universe thing. It's like I'm watching Batman, you know, the animated series. I'm like, ooh, oh. that's lovely. I'm I'm hoping I, I think I might get that once they add more comics onto there. They're, I think they're slowly slowly adding books like uh, Marvel Unlimited, but you know I'll give them like a year to add like a whole bunch of comics, and then maybe I'll I'll try that out. They do have a they do have a decent selection of already. I mean, for depends what you're looking for, but I mean, I was talking with somebody else about uh, Omega Men, and they have all the whole Omega Men series, and I'm talking the '80s vert series, not oh, the cool. most recent one. So, I mean, if they have all 40 issues of Omega Men, you know, they, get, they must have a decent amount already. <laughs> That's not where you start. Right. <laughs> no, it's not. All right. Well, that's, I mean, I think we're all really excited for all this new content coming, at least Marvel-related. Uh, I don't know if DC even announced anything outside of a few TV things. 
Uh, I don't yeah. even think they know what they're doing with their movies, to be honest. I know they know. Yeah, what they announced. I know I saw I saw things about Titan season two and Doom Patrol season two. Hmm. That's Doom Justice is getting another season. Oh, is it? That's all. Yeah, that's all I saw. So. Which one? I didn't hear. Young Justice. Oh, okay. Um, cool. Yeah. So I was like, oh, cool. Otherwise, yeah, Doom Patrol. Like, that's, like, that's what I care about. Shazam and Black Adam, will they meet? Will they not meet? Ah, oh, we don't know. We don't really know what we're doing with our movies. <laughs> we'll find out when we watch it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, let's um, transition on over to the books. Uh, this week, we're covering um, Excalibur number 17. We've got Exiles number 18. And we have Gen X number 6. So, um, Excalibur, I think, Al, you're going to take the lead and, and walk us through this? Yep. Give me one second. Bring some stuff up. Sure. Man, this cover is crazy. Oh, God, yes. All <laughs> I right, love so... the fact that the, the, the cover, when I read, looked at the cover, I was like, ah. Oh. And then I looked inside, and I was like, oh, it's one of those covers. Um <laughs> Why could the whole issue be the beauty contest? Right. All, <laughs> all right. So we got Excalibur number 17 from mid-December 1989 on sale October 17th, 89. From The Crucible, A Captain, written by Chris Claremont, pencil by Alan Davis, inks Paul Neary, colors Yeltsin Yamtov, letters Jade, sorry, letters Jade Maydee. Edited by Kelly Corvise, Tom DeFalco, and Terry Cavanaugh. Cover art, Alan Davis and Paul Neary. Cover price, a buck fifty. Oh, I missed that. Right. <laughs> if only. Oh, buy three of them for the book I bought last week. Right. Anyway, so like you said about the cover, it features Excalibur as the judges while a long line of bizarre-looking alien creatures try out the Captain Britain costume. And apparently you want to travel and help children. <laughs> That's all we want, yeah. Yeah, I love I, that uh, the Excalibur members are in the back giving up their uh, scores like uh, Olympic judges here. Yeah. Oh one, oh two. Yeah. <laughs> I think Rachel, Rachel's, just, Rachel's just bitter because he fills out the costume better than she would. <laughs> That's why it's zero. <laughs> Kitty is pretty lenient with her five. Yeah, I was weird by that. I was like, what? <laughs> Maybe she's into it. But, uh, hmm. she's very, uh, she's very. Claremont makes her very horny all the time in this this series. Yes. Well, there's that. Either that, or she's yeah. just the one that's most wanting to get the hell out of there. She's like, "Yes, hmm. he wins. Can we go now?" Right. Because she's the one that spends the most in this issue, actually trying to figure a way out. Everyone else is partying. But yeah, they are really just having a good old time. But anyway, so the story. Uh, so it's the story of this issue is somewhat held together by the framing sequence of a mysterious cloaked stranger telling the story to a group of bizarre looking aliens. It's the same as the last issue, just not told as straightforwardly. Uh, we first find the members of Excalibur in the middle of a massive party. And then the story then jumps back to the end of issue 16, where Nightcrawler threw Rachel into the maw of that giant alien squid monster hoping that her connection to the Phoenix would be too much for it. Yes. He was right, and it went boom. I love, I love that part of the issue. It's like, ah, fuck it. I'm just going to throw Rachel in there and see what happens. <laughs> Last-ditch effort. 
Well, we're dead anyway. At least, you know, if I'm wrong, she goes first. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the party was to celebrate the creature's destruction as well as that of the e destruction of the evil princess, um, Angeli. Uh, Rachel is the only one not joining in the party. Her powers still have not returned, and she's feeling lost. So she decides to leave and go off on her own for a bit. And then after a one-page recap of Rachel and her origin, we jump ahead... I think it's weeks, maybe? Who knows? Some period of time, 20 minutes to 20 weeks later. Yeah, that was a surprise. It was like, oh, I guess she's already established herself doing something now somewhere. Yeah. On a farm. Yeah, Rachel's living on a farm, helping out. What we're going to find briefly is that world's Jean Grey, but apparently 20 years older than ours. Right. Uh, they are off to this that town's Saturday night shindig and never make it because it's under attack by slavers who kill Jean and take Rachel prisoner. Uh, the ruler of the slavers wants to make Rachel one of his hounds, but she has other ideas, uh, taking him out only to be confronted by the rest of his crew. And then we jump ahead some other period of time. <laughs> roll your dice, figure it, roll your time dice to find out how far ahead this goes. Basically. And we're at the Slaver High Council. They're very organized. They're having issues of Excalibur helping out and trying to set up local superhero for this world for when they leave. Decide, they decide to send one of their own men there to this competition to sabotage it. Jump ahead again to the actual competition. And during it, we see there are three contestants that stand out. Uh, this world's version of Lockheed, the pirate princess Kamiri, who is, I don't believe, named at all in this issue. You have to jump back to the previous issue right. to find out the name. <laughs> and a mysterious woman, ma sorry, a mysterious masked woman dressed all in black leather. Who, yeah, that's Rachel. Yeah. Katie says it right away. Competition's going on, and then all of a sudden we hear a scream at one night, and most of the members of Excalibur are laying there dead, with one of the competitors fighting the masked woman, saying she is the uh, betrayer. Turns out, of course, she isn't. It is Rachel, but not after Alistair Stewart also gets stabbed. And... Um, in a nice bit, now this part I liked, in a nice bit of teamwork with Kamiri and Lockheed, Rachel is able to kill the sabotager, but not without them being killed as well. And then apparently Megan is talking through the with the spirit of the Earth or some type of Captain Planet type thing, I'm not sure. And Rachel gets her powers back and brings everyone back to life and they have another party. Right. Oh, and then at the end, it turns out that she was telling the story to actual aliens because as they're leaving that dimension, they realize, oh, crap, that's the Starjammers. Whoops. It was it was a bit slapdash. It was a bit like, oh, and then this happened and then this. And then suddenly all our heroes are just randomly killed and then brought back to life again. I don't this felt like an issue that didn't really need to happen. And even if it was fun, was like so reckless with how it treated all the characters i don't what did you guys think of this issue there it's, are some um, okay go, go for it. I'll um it's um what's the word well it's certainly something um <laughs> i do feel like maybe claremont was writing something else at the same time he's like shit i have to do a excalibur script um they all die oh wait we can't kill them um i'll bring them back at the end uh, Phoenix, see, Deus Ex Phoenix, my my most used trope in this series so far. Let's do that again. Um, but yeah, uh, it was. It, I don't know. 
it feels like he ran out of what he wanted to do or lost sight of anything and was just like, I'm just going to make us a story. So we haven't really focused on Rachel in a while. So I'll just do a Rachel story about things. <laughs> yeah, it, this... To me, the, the best way to put this this issue to describe it is... Um, <clears throat> what's that phrase where you're just like, like the, you know, it's greater than the sum of its parts? Right. This is lesser than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Because they're actually, like, individually, some of the different parts are actually entertaining or decent. But then putting it all together just like the way it is, it kind of makes it lesser all over. Because you go from one thing and you're like, oh, okay, that's what's... Wait, what? Where? What happened? Where are we? What's going on? Yeah, there are way too many of those like time jumps that you mentioned, and and suddenly like, oh yeah, all the Excalibur people are just dead for reasons. Okay, yeah. we and it happened like off panel. They're like, oh, by the way, everyone's dead. What? The dead? Yeah. I mean, there are bits that there are bits in there that are good. I, I like the part of for Captain Britain and Megan. And he's trying to set up the whole competition. He's like, I feel like such a pomp. I sound like such a pompous twit. Honey, it's what you're best at. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> that was so good. And he didn't even, like, understand that she was kind of taking a dig at him for that either. I don't think it matters either way if she's trying to or not. It works perfectly. Like, oh, yeah. That was yeah. great. Yeah. But, you know, there. it's also, like... I don't know, maybe if it that stayed a bit more of one or two of the scenes and didn't jump as much crazy would have been better. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I mean, there's still some fun stuff. You know, the art, the art's some of the best part. Like, the, the minor things he puts in. The fact that Kitty right. is always covering herself up when she's in that, you know, John Carter, Warlord of Mars type outfit. You know, she's always covering herself up with the cloak. Right. She's the one who... You know, we've had a, a number of issues where, for some reason, this, like, 16-year-old girl is always getting, like, declothed. Um, but uh, luckily, this issue, she uh, covers up and is the first to change out of her, uh, quote-unquote, uniform. It was nice also to see that she, you know, this time, it wasn't her who was getting stripped naked. It was uh, Phoenix who was getting ripped clothing in a fight. And also, uh, <laughs> Mr., uh, Mr. Police Officer here, who was in kind of a like a barbarian kilt thing happening. What do you, what do you want to call this? Um, I don't know. I, just a just 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 a thing that covers his modesty. <laughs> oh, uh, Stuart. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 weird because like what what is so weird? It's like because Clement can't stop her like being obsessed with him. And so he's going off to bang the princess, the pirate princess. And she's like, I wish it was me. And I was just like, it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. Yeah, that was, yeah. Fair enough if the 16-year-old girl would say those things in their head or not. Uh, Who knows? But I'm just like, he is obsessed with her being really horny all the time. (laughs) So, And and also covered in liquids. He's obsessed with that, too. Right. Um, Because even though Alan Davis tries his damned hardest in the art to desexualize her the um dialogue often overly sexualizes her or at least the actions of the the um uh, which is always a weird dichotomy between both the art and it's like a struggle like a power struggle between who's not gonna make kitty like a sex object um, it's 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 kind of amazing because megan is there to kind of be a sex object and and to some extent phoenix as well i mean they're like wearing body suits 
Megan's pretty free with all that, and Phoenix has really no shame in, in showing what she's got. So he has all that to work with, but he's still Claremont's still like, yeah, but there's another woman who we haven't sexualized yet. We need to we need to do that. Yeah, <laughs> weird. I, at least Megan showed that she had a little bit more personality this 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 issue, yeah. <laughs> um, and she wasn't so subservient. Um, I like when they're doing the when you see them actually as the panel of judges. She's the one that actually is intently watching. Mm-hmm. You know, Nightcrawl is laughing. Kitty is, I don't know what she's looking oh looking at, but she's scratching Lockheed. Captain Brian is basically just like, oh god, what are we doing? What the hell is this? Right. And she's actually, you can tell she's actually like thinking and observing them. Like mm-hmm. she's actually the one taking it seriously. I love that. Right. <laughs> yes. Sometimes I. I the art is easily the best thing. Does all the acting for the script it needs. Oh yeah, like the competition with the uh, the fiercest of intellectual challenges. Yes, and you got the guy that kind of looks like uh, a white version of Gossamer from Looney Tunes. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> Trying to figure out where to put these little blocks in. I love he smashed the square block through the circle. Yeah, hey, make a fit. Yeah. <laughs> If nothing else, it is a chance for for um, Alan Davis to just like draw a bunch of crazy alien stuff. Oh yeah, because everything's weird. I mean, you got those weird like almost Mojo like slavers, right? So, and apparently, just in case you forgot that it's Excalibur, by reading the dialogue from you know obviously as far as Claremont's concerned, they're all British, right? Oh yeah, it's apparently. I love that. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've lived through. I've read this before. I understand. At least um, didn't say "struth" uh, here, so that's one thing. Bonus points. Right, right. So my biggest gripe with the art. No, there is. is. Oh, no, there was there a "struth"? Did I miss a "struth"? Oh, when the page when Rachel kicks the captain through his own door. Oh snap! All right. It's to add that to the tally of "struths" we already have. I think we're at like twelve now. And there's also a body and soul reference in the beginning of the issue. Oh my god. <laughs> but anyway, um, um my, only, my only thing is like artistically is that the color work is really good on the characters, really bold and bright on the characters like it needs to be. But I think um some of the block backgrounds really really add too much of a contrast mm-hmm. with the color color choices. There are a lot um, of backgrounds, yeah. Yeah. I think I think like the hot pink um, background that keeps popping up is a bit too much sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, on the whole, though, um, it it looks like it always does, which is lovely. So, but uh, this is definitely feels like Claremont doing his. Um, well, I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. Uh, don't really know what I'm doing. Um, this this issue, that uh, kind of thing. Maybe he was hungry when he wrote it. Um, I don't know. I think he was just hor- horny when he wrote it because everyone's just like having sex and getting naked and doing crazy stuff. Maybe he just went to a party. He decided to like write about his experience at a party. That's a hell of a party. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was it wasn't it was an issue. That's I'll say that. I don't I don't know. Like, do you feel it's a bad issue or do you feel it's just like an uh, odd, weird issue? I feel like if you could, to be honest, I feel like if someone was like, what's Excalibur? And you just gave them that issue. I feel like they'd get the gist of how, of like how jilted the original run is. 
mm-hmm. um, of, of, of the Claremont days. Um, it's not a bad issue. I'd say it's like sort of for folks Calibre, it's kind of middle of the road. Um, right. It's just it's just crazy for crazy's sake. The story just zips along because it, it's kind of like that other story we read. The way it goes to the um, where they go to past London Wild West. Where he seems to get bored of the setting and just zips past it all. Oh, right. So I feel like that kind of happens halfway through this one. I'm also wondering how busy he was because this was, because I said mid December, because this was when they were doing the, um, in the issue before. So this was bi weekly. And so was X Men at the time. And was he still writing Wolverine? And was that bi weekly too? Because I mean, if his, all of a sudden his, his workload doubled. For those months, maybe that's kind of why some stuff might get a little disjointed. Yeah, could be. You know, if he's spending too much time writing the X Men books, and all of a sudden he's like, "Oh crap, I got this due tomorrow." <laughs> well, I got these ideas, and I got these ideas, and I got right. these ideas. Okay, well, let's see. That works. Yeah, that's it. You remember, like I, I remember doing homework or like writing a paper or something, and the first half being really into it, and the second half being like, "Ah, oh, I just gotta, I just gotta wrap this up and turn it in." <laughs> and okay. then it stopped. Yeah, <laughs> the end. So, Al, I mean, you're not, um, uh, you know, keeping up with us necessarily uh, every issue here. So, so jumping in, what did you think? Was it like uh, dizzying to jump into this craziness or were you able to follow it or, or what did you think? I mean, I was able to follow it enough, but to be fair, I bought this when it came out. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I read this and especially for Excalibur, especially... I mean, I started reading book comics in 87. So this was my... Excalibur was actually my first brand new series. Oh, okay. You know, that, where was, I started from the beginning. Everything else, because at this point I was reading Power Pack, X-Men, New Mutants, X-Factor, and maybe some, maybe at this point by 17, something else. But by the time Excalibur came out, that pretty much was my Marvel, my reading. Oh, cool. So those are all ongoing series already that have been going on for four. So Excalibur was my first brand new series mm-hmm. so not only was it that it was still at that early period of time where like you know i had like you know a box of comics maybe that's it it was plenty of time to reread these things over and over and over right, again right right you know x you know like generation x and exiles i also bought those when they came out but progressively i remember them less and less because i didn't read them or have time to read them as many times as i read these so like this one the moment I started reading it, I pretty much remembered half of what happened. I pretty much knew half of it already. Right. All right. Well, I, I you know, I, I think I agree with you guys. It's kind of a, it's an odd issue. It's kind of a middle of the road issue. It's fun, but, you know, all in all, unless, unless you're like Al, where you read this young, I think it's easy to forget what happened here because nothing of consequence really takes place here. Yeah, so, I mean. She, what's her name? The Pirate Princess does come back apparently in his later X Men run, like in the four fifty something. Oh my! I looked her up real quick, and if she comes back up like three issues later. All right. Like well, you know, I'm I'm around that part in Uncanny. Like after Austin, Claremont comes back on in like the four forties or four fifties. So I might I might be seeing her in my uh my yeah. off my my sort of unrequired reading reading. What is it? Is that X- the Claremont? Claremont Davis run, which turned Rachel into a dinosaur. Maybe, let me see. It is. is No, this is Alan Kubert, Adam Kubert. This is X Men Uncanny 384 and 385 and X Men 104. Okay, that's that's a little bit before what I was reading then. 
Yeah, and then also an uncanny four sixty two. Well, that'll be in a couple of days for me uh, if if my pace holds. So I'll, I'll let you guys know how that happens, how it looks. But, but you know, I agree with you. This is this is not the issue Excalibur to show somebody who has not read Excalibur. Mm-hmm. But if you're reading the run, it's like, oh, okay, it's not a horrible issue. It's like, oh, well, there was that. <laughs> that happened, and then we moved on. Kind of like Claremont did halfway through the issue. There will be worse issues coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we can say that about all of these books, unfortunately. Yeah, sadly. Yeah. All righty, so that was Excalibur number 17. Um, looking at the cover for 18, it almost looks like there's Christmas wrapping paper uh, on it. So that's fun, I guess. I don't know. Like, it's, it's a weird cover, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah, it's that one. Anime eyes going on. Um, that, is, that is weird. That is weird. Oh, there's supposed to be toys. There we go. Done. My head's, my head's fine now. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on over to Exiles, uh, number 18. We have, for the creatives, let me line this up here, because unfortunately... When Marvel Unlimited lists the creatives, as we've talked about a number of times, uh, that's not necessarily who's actually on the book. You have to flip through. So we have Scribe. They keep using this. Scribe, Judd Winnick. Pencils, Mac McCone. Inks, John Holdridge, who I want to say is new to the book. Uh, colors, Transparency Digital, of course. And letters, Paul Tutrone. So uh, everyone's the same except for John Holdridge, I want to say. So on the cover... Yeah. We've got uh, a crazy Elvis sort of looking uh, morph going on. He's all in white and he's white and he's in a spotlight and it's an empty background. Unfortunately, a lot of these covers have just empty backgrounds. And I'm not so... I guess this kind of ties into what happens in the book uh, at the end. But what do you guys think of this cover? It's it's just a bit of fun, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah, it's just meant to be entertaining. And yeah. I take it that way. It, it's a fun-looking cover. I mean, it's Morph as, you know, doing the Morph version of Elvis. Mm-hmm. So. We've definitely had worse covers uh, for Exiles. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this is, this is fine. It's all right. So uh, we jump in, and once again, another Exiles book where we're, like, right in the middle of the action. And I, you know... I, I opened this up. I was like, wait a second. Did I miss an issue? I hope I didn't tell Al the wrong issue to read because this is <laughs> like in media res uh, going on. But uh, nope, we're just in the middle of a battle and Blink is fighting some magic people and, and weird green monsters and uniforms. And we realize that uh, the Sorcerer Supreme is not a Sorcerer Supreme. It's the Mistress of Mysticism, Callisto. And they're, they're fighting and Morph is doing his sort of thing impression and people have been captured and uh unfortunately uh you know the teammate who never really gets to do anything is is captured again dan um <laughs> yes the sex symbol um, yeah yeah again. yeah and she's in even less clothes you know sunfire is even in less clothes than normal so uh you know tying things along with with, with excalibur we've got a lot of scantily clad ladies in this issue uh, i mean callisto has the lowest of v-necks going on so it's it's all kinds of tna here uh this issue but um they're able to uh escape um 
they, they grab this weird like egg thing. Um, they escape and, and then they're like, hey, it's time to go. And uh, Morph does his best blink impression. So there's some more TNA going on, although his costume's a little bit more revealing than even what Blink wears. Right, t- talking about all the costumes, I did find it kind of hilarious that uh, TJ says that um, <laughs> yeah. Dom dresses. I was like, um, he's dressed like a turk. Yeah. So. I was going to say something about that too. I like that line. That was good. Yeah, dressed like a tart, and unfortunately, TJ's in basically uh, lingerie here, so it's okay. And that's a normal costume. Here's the suspenders. <laughs> yeah. be so they are, of course, uh, transported on to a whole new world. Um, they sort of fall on their asses as they go through a portal. Um, and they realize that, unfortunately, their magic uh, teleporter machine is broken. Um, and it happens all the time. I don't know why, but this thing just keeps breaking, Dan. It feels sort of like, I don't know, it, it feels sort of half-assed, if you know what I mean. It's, it's, the, it's the, the trope. It, it seems like when they're like, oh, we, we, maybe we'll do a two-parter. <laughs> break, right. break the talus. Yeah, break the talus again. Oh, we, need, we need a couple issues here. We've got to restock the plutonium. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they land. Where do they land? In Mojo's world. And we uh, realize that the Mojo's, Mojo world is the hub for the multiverse. There's only one Mojo where there's a number of everyone else and people from all these other dimensions just sort of hop into his world and he meets everybody. Um, they try to escape, but unfortunately Blink's teleportation isn't working, and uh, Mojo decides that he's going to use um, Morph to sort of entertain the masses. So he kidnaps Morph and in like a with a bubble gun, which I thought was a lot of fun. But then TJ like just jumps in instead of like trying to help Morph out. She's like, "Hey, I'll, I'll join you in the bubble." Did you understand why she was doing that? I thought she may have tried to pull him out, but that's my thought. Not- yeah. It it's, does, not drawn, it's, it's not drawn that way, though. She's like, all right, I'm jumping in, too. I do love the gun. <laughs> Don't judge. The gun, is very, the gun is very, very, very bizarrely phallic. Okay. <laughs> so, oh, um, boy, yeah. Looking at it again, yes. But, um, only, only slightly a lot. <laughs> there's, even, there's even a sound effect that says splooch. So, yeah. Feels... Feels very porn adjacent. Yeah. Um, luckily, okay. yep. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, luckily, they have a. They already have a, a move, a shake and bake move that is uh, two of their heavyweights slamming the ground, causing some earthquakes, so that uh, the rest of the team can escape. And they are like, "Hey, we'll have to come back for Blink." Uh, sorry, we'll have to come back for more in Sunfire later. Uh, oh, sorry, Sunfire. Oof. Let me let me rewind that. Mm-hmm. So they decide they need to come back. For Morph and TJ later, Sunfire decides to go all out, um, and she uses up all of her energy. Luckily, she's saved, and they all fly away. And then we cut to Mojo torturing Morph, who just sort of expounds about dumb stuff for a while. It's kind of funny, I guess. I don't know. Morph is is hit or miss until um, Morph's like, I'll never work with you. And, And Mojo's like, well, that's fine. We'll just, you know. Uh, hurt TJ some more, and then we get some more TNA as TJ is basically uh, 
bound and tortured with just her nipples and crotch area uh, covered. And um, it's enough to make Morph agree to be uh, Mojo's trained monkey. The rest of the team decide to infiltrate. They're going to save their team. And what do they find but Longshot's jailhouse, which has, I love, I do like that he has almost like a, a, a board here out in front of his, his hideout advertising where he's located. That was kind of fun. It does kind of fit with the Mojo thing, like it's a horrible amusement park. Right. And as they're planning to go find Longshot, they see that Morph has his own show. The Morph show was sort of an analog of the team with him on there, kind of. And they're like, oh boy, what are we going to do at the end? I this, this felt in the same way that Excalibur was kind of a throwaway issue. This felt like a... I mean... To pull the curtain back even further, Dan and I aren't real big Mojo fans. I don't know about you, Al, but uh, Mojo really doesn't get my motor running. So as soon as I saw him appear, my enthusiasm went down, and the rest of the issue just felt like placeholder until we can get to part two. Um, what what did you guys think of this? He's hit and miss for me, which is one of the reasons why I think that the title of the story works, and it makes sense why he used it that, you know, so lame. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a little meta commentary on that. I mean, mm-hmm. for the for most part, most Mojo stories for me usually need Art Adams. Probably X Babies too. That Oof. usually helps a lot. Okay. But it's I mean, I like the concept of Mojo being the only one. That's kind of a cool little thing. I mean, with all these multiverse things, usually there's you know five billion versions. It's like one of the right. first few times they've done that. I think the only other time I could think of is on well, DC with. Uh, Apocalypse and the New Gods. Yeah, so, I do like that idea. That was, that was a nice idea. That it's always the same Mojo. Whoever's fighting him, it's Mojo. So he's right. met, and that way it was just all the same Mojo. You know, I guess they can avoid the trope here of exiles of well, I know who you are, so I could. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. You know, it's because I'm not the one you know. Right, right. You know, Mojo knows them all. So How that I like. Um, I think it was. I think it. Um, so kind of like Excel, like Excalibur. Sorry, it kind of starts off stronger than it finishes. Just feels sort of um, half, like not half half ass long word. Uh, long term. Um, it kind of just runs out of steam, and then we have this mass of, of sort of back and forth. Of like just fat jokes essentially from Morph for a while and Mojo and then it's just like oh by the way we're touching TJ now so work for us and I was just like I feel like all of this could have been condensed um, into a, into a smaller sort of setup if you maybe ditch the the mission at the beginning um, or even condense that even further and I feel like you could still get the same plot beats without as much sort of paddling. Like one issue, yeah, kind of just yeah. I feel like you could do the whole story over one issue. I feel like this is like right. one of those. Um, well, I'm gonna do <clears throat> a two part. Oh, maybe it's time to do a two part or whatever. Whoever said what, and maybe he was excited to use Mojo, but like, like you said, I'm not a massive fan of Mojo either. And as soon as I saw him, I was just like, I remember this story. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if, if the books sell really well if they have Mojo in. You know, it could have been like, hey, we need we need some sales. Mojo's always a big boost, so let's have a couple issues with Mojo here. 
Mojo yeah. would like that. Yeah, <laughs> that fits. That fits. I, I will say this, at least over the Excalibur one, at least it was more cohesive. You know, you could definitely tell where the oh, beginning, the middle, yeah. and the end of the story was. Right. So I'll give that. I'll give it that. I, I will say, yeah. artwork-wise, it's it's fairly consistent. Um, there's a lot of TNA going on. Uh, I mean, more so than normal. But it, the artwork felt. You know, we've had some really wonky um, issues, Dan. I would say this is not like the best artwork we've seen on Exiles, but this is uh, maybe just a little bit above standard it's definitely um some of the strongest McCone work um has done he's done on the on the series um he clearly enjoys drawing mojo yes um which is always good and he seems to get a lot of there's there's not enough there's not so many um body dysmorphia um happening or, or limbs disappearing like he like he often likes to do. Um apart from the TJ jumping into the bubble panel, which makes it look like she's being I feel like she's supposed to be pulling him, but it looks like she's being sucked into it anyway. Yeah. Um aside from that, I think um the work's not too bad. And even the digital colouring, apart from the clouds, the clouds right. are terrible. Um even the digital colouring isn't too bad. They're finally sort of um kind of getting a balance with their shading technique, which is nice to see after 17 well many issues one now yeah <laughs> so it's funny to see that they're actually getting a balance going at, at this time um new x-men is also going on and it was interesting to read that and this at this at you know uh, at the same time and compare the art styles and this is definitely one where they they're like yeah we're going to experiment with the digital artwork on this because there's not a whole lot of digital artwork uh coloring going on in in like new x-men uh so I wonder if, because it's not like a, an A-tier book, they're like, let's experiment with this. But um, you could definitely notice where the digital was and where it wasn't being used. Exactly. I, don't, I don't know. You know, do you guys feel like, was this enjoyable? Was it, did it feel like it was treading water? Are you, I'm kind of excited to see, I, well, maybe not excited, but I feel like a story that focused on more being trapped in you know, forced to make the show and figure out how to get out of that would be a more interesting concept. So I'm kind of looking forward to the next issue. But uh, this felt like I don't know, just I I couldn't couldn't get my motor going on this issue. I think um, personal bias aside for Mojo, I think as an issue, it's not too bad. I just feel like it could be compressed a little bit in its storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll have to read. I'm I'm kind of curious. I'm gonna have to read the next issue myself later on and just see if maybe how well with how the next issue goes. Because you're right, based on this issue at least, they could have definitely looks like they could have compressed it into one. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. the next issue is just too filled that they had to make this one a full, you know, this half issue a full issue because it maybe you know unless they're gonna make it an annual. But we'll see. But yeah, otherwise I would have to agree. It seems like it could be one issue. I am intrigued with the whole moat with the whole morph thing and i do like when exiles or things like this where they are new characters but they're supposed to have been existing so i do like some things that can show that they have a history you know he has a history of mojo he dealt with him before right you know because really the only one we we would have seen the history of was blink before this series everyone else was brand new so i do like when they did when i do that at least to kind of show there was something going on in their lives before this yeah that's a good point 
And I had forgotten, because it had been a while since I read this series, I forgot about uh, Heather Hudson joining for a while. Because they get so many yeah. random characters joining this team at times. She's, the, you know, she's, there until, she's there until Claremont destroys the book, I think. <laughs> um, wow, it's been... A, then I have not read this... I probably haven't read this series since I it came out new. Like, I would read them and... Well, that might have been it. Right. There's, lo- there's loads of spoilers. Um, I don't want to say anything just for people who are reading on, but something does happen, but she is specifically in the team for a long time. So oh, it's been a Because she, she changes visually, I suppose, because visually you always see her as the monster, as a Sasquatch, and so there's like a change in that story later on. So, but I try not to spoil anymore than I already have. Um, you know... We had a couple issues previously that kind of focused on singular characters, and this is kind of focusing on on morph a little bit, I guess. But it, it feels like plot over over character uh, for me in this. And this is another issue where Sunfire does very little, and Sasquatch is like non-existent. She's been in, I want to say, since what five? She's been in like five, six issues by now, Dan, and we uh, we know nothing about her. Apart from that she's Heather Hudson. Yeah, that's all um, we know. It would be nice to see her and... Um, well, it would be nice to see Sunfire <laughs> have any kind of more development than when she had that little time of... What was it? The the issue that her and Morph went shopping? Was the only time that... Yeah, there was that. Um, I want to say TJ has had the one issue where she looked back at her relationship and, and like her lost baby. That was really all of her character development. It's basically just been like a lot of plot... And then second to that has been Blink and Mimic. And then if any of the other characters get anything, like any table scraps, uh, then it's it's almost a blessing. So it's it's a little disappointing. We still don't really know our cast that well. No, we just kind of know where they're from. Right. <laughs> Which we kind of knew from the first issue. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. Al, I think this is another issue where obviously you're jumping in right in the middle did this feel enjoyable to read, or was this like a, uh, I could take it or leave it? Yeah, a bit more of the take it or leave it, but like I said, it was, at least was a bit more focused than the Excalibur one. Mm-hmm. So in comparison, it felt like a better read. Gotcha. Because, you know, except for the very beginning, which I was like, you know, I, look, I glanced back, I'm like, okay, this is not a continuation. This is just right. kind of, brand, you know, <laughs> and I, I knew what the series would, you know, they kind of both had that in common with those whole jumping through reality things, you know, I... I it's almost like a trope there. We're going to get like a, a quick scene of an adventure that we're not really going to see. Would you, know? you have liked to have actually the issue been about like magical Callisto instead? Uh, maybe. I mean, Callisto can, can be kind of fun sometimes. She really doesn't get used. So I, yeah, I right. guess so. Maybe I, I do like when they take some of the minor characters and actually play with them a little bit, even if it's an alternate reality version, you know, let them do something. Right. I mean, Callisto usually just serves to, you know, Act tough, you know, and then get her ass kicked. Yeah, exactly. You know, she's there to show. She's there to show how badass someone else is. Yeah. She's like. Mark does she Man still Hunter. have tentacles? Does she still have the tentacles that Claremont gave her in the other Excalibur book? Um, didn't those go? Wait, did she get them back? I know she had tentacles in x-men and then they went to where did they go away around the time she was dating colossus when he didn't know he was colossus oh my god because she was like a supermodel or something at that point 
just saying it out loud sounds stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think I'll just I'll just wiki that <laughs> if I need to. But I think she got tentacles again because God knows. But be fair, how many times do comic plots sound stupid if you just say the basic plot out loud? Oh yeah, yeah. any any X Men book is like really this is what we're reading. Like, it's like you really shouldn't ask questions, right? You sound, you sound insane. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, any Morrison book could be like that as well. And yeah. then yes. you're like, oh, no, I get it now. Yeah, I mean, you know, saying the plot of, well, you know, a bunny rabbit, a cat, and a dog go on a killing spree. And you're like, okay, that sounds weird. And, but yet, yeah, um, I can't read We Three without, you know, something gets in my eye somehow. <laughs> well, that was Exiles. I would say, Dan, this is probably middle of the road uh, book. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on to our third book, Generation X number six. Dan, why don't you take us away? All right. So, Generation X number six, Notes from the Underground, um, written by Scott Lobdell, art by Chris Bacalow, and a little help with from Mark Buckingham. Um, Letters is Richard Starkins and Comic Craft, and colors are Steve Butchelletto and Electric Creon with. Bob Harris is the editor. Our front cover is a spoiler um, for, for what happens inside with um, a very bizarrely like faced Emma Frost s- s- sat on Hemingway who has been rainbow, rainbow attacked in his mind and Moreau. And I, for- I forget that Moreau looks this gross when she kind of first started appearing in the comics. Right. She gets um, turned into like a, a kind of a sex spot character after... It's weird. It's like after Marvel versus Capcom comes out, then she sort of gets redesigned to sort of look like the character designed from that game. Oh, oh, is that what it was? I just figured it was just when they decided to make her an X Man. It's like, well, we can't make her ugly, right? <laughs> and then, and then, isn't it Claremont that put her through an egg and made her even more beautiful? Um, sure. See, they do sound crazy when you say it out loud. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dan, look anyway. at this cover. I just realized that this like rainbow trail coming off of his brain is is also how Sync sort of. Uh, tracks him, so it does sort of tie in a little bit to what the rest of the team is doing. It's, it's not a bad cover. I'm, I'm, I just, um, it feels like Emma Frost is back on the um, old villain horse, mm. so to say, or Hemingway, I suppose. Um, yeah, I do like the candles, but it's not the strongest cover of the six we've seen for sure. No, and um, unfortunately, and sorry to still the spotlight, but this artwork wise uh-huh. is. And I mentioned it on Twitter, but it's not quite up to snuff. Uh, I think you'll find that uh, who is it? Uh, Buckingham probably has a lot of does a lot of help here in this issue. Yeah, there's there's definitely um, it's not as tight as Bacalo does usually. Um, right. But we start with Emma being painted like a clown uh, by Moreau, who is waiting for the first one or whatever, uh, some dude, and she's been wrapped in, um, well, at least she's, she's been wrapped in a compromising position, but it's not horrendous. It's not like TJ. Uh, her powers have been sapped by little leech who sat there. Um, our Gen X kids have skin doobly and sink, uh, trying to do the hero thing They're Instead of waiting for the X-Men, they want to do it themselves. Uh, sink decides to experiment with his powers throwing a rainbow tether to follow the rainbow um, to find Emma. Um, back home, 
Paige is suffering from her drunken breakdown uh, about the legacy virus, and I really like this. I really do like the scene. Um, Chamber and Paige sort of grow closer, and it's quite a nice little sort of yeah back and forth between them. Um, and then we're just basically we're just hanging with Emma and the mutant um, these uh, Hemingway and uh, Marrow for a little while, as uh, Marrow just constantly says about how you know the world upside upstairs is, is horrible and like we killed them because they're humans and they killed our ancestors which is blowing my mind because i was like is this time travel but then i'm like i don't really know um it kind of I, is to kind of get into it you know there's um flipping through here there's a great panel of uh of her playing tic-tac-toe maybe against herself with the paint on the wall yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at that right now love that and yeah, it's a weird time travel thing. It involves, I mean, I don't know if you want to hear more. It involves Mikhail, uh, Peter Colossus's older brother. Gosh. <laughs> you know, the, the only time I, I really remember him is from Age of Apocalypse, and they never really explained what his powers are there either. Do you, do you want to go into a little bit of what that character is even about? I, I yeah, his, power, <laughs> his powers are somewhere about, I understand his powers about as much as... Um, Jamie, no, not Jamie Madrox, but Jamie Braddock. Is that his name? Uh, oh, right. They're, okay. I kind of put them both the what same. Powers? Yeah, it's what we need powers. Right, right. And more than, you know, it's going to be what we need and more powerful than whoever else we're having them fight. <laughs> but I just know, and this was kind of like that weird range of, of Uncanny X-Men. Like, it was right after the image guys left and before right. they kind of really settled who was going to be doing what. And they had this whole thing where basically... He kind of took away the Morlocks to another dimension. What right. was left of the Morlocks, and basically later on, it's like time runs differently there. So that's where these guys come from. They're like okay. second, third generation from there. Just you know, time runs faster. Okay. So it's been like forty years instead of you know, one. Right. See, I think I think as a person who would just read Generation X, that is immensely confusing. Um, <laughs> when, when you when you read the dialogue, you're like, well. And I don't think it explains it in any ne- any of the future Gen X. So it's just like a blip in the radar. It's like go read the other books. Yeah. Um, but um, I look, our, our heroes are watching from above, and because of Leech, um, skin starts to melt because he doesn't have any control over his ex- excess skin, and no one else seems to be able to use their powers very well. Um, and just more pontificating from Moreau while it's she just kind of like barks threats really and then and then emma oh, knocks out a kid and knocks out leech um so she can have her powers everyone's pretty shocked by that and then she uses her tele- telepathy telepathy there we go got there in the end um to try <laughs> to fry their minds and i love this image of them both with sunken eyes like skulls mm-hmm. right um i don't know if i like the energy because i'm not um, this book never really, apart from Sync's aura, it never really uses digital color. So the more it throws in, the kind of with with like the normal coloring techniques, the more it sort of stands out in a semi bad way. Yeah. Um, and then um, there's a really nice back and forth between Emma and um, Angela, where he's like, uh, "Are you gonna kill them? <laughs> we shouldn't do that." And she's like, "Mm-hmm." And I, I love that um, her face at the end where he's just like right and she looks all like huffy. 
And then um, we find out that uh, Peeping Tom Dark Beast is watching everyone and doesn't want his plan to be scuppered. So he blows up the lair that they're all in, but everyone's fine. Uh, thanks to M and some quick thinking on Skin's part. Um, M and Jubilee are precious with each other, which is always a fun thing to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find out that the little pink guy is called Artie. Um, we jump to the Xavier. Um, it is Xavier, isn't it? Yeah, we jump to Xavier and Emma, and they're all chatting with each other. And then we have this wonderful moment of Jubilee going to see. Oh, by the way, I do like the fact the Gen X kids are in like black and yellow. Um, in those in those sections, mm-hmm. like classic yeah. X-Men of uniforms, and then we have this really interesting um, sequence where Jubilee meets Wolverine for the first time since he had his adamantium taken from him. So he's some sort of monstery Logan, where his size does change often. Um, yeah, he's <laughs> monstrous. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's then, a um, really like this book is full of really nice moments. I mean, it generally is, but you know, you mentioned the moment with M and Jubilee was nice, and with um, Skin and Emma was fun, and this is sweet, like Jubilee daughter Wolverine father figure sort of moment here that I really enjoyed. Yeah, and, and we finish with um, Sean doing his best to uh, continue to talk to Penance. Gateway turns up, has a migraine, and the um, girl's dawn blows up with Chambers' energy signature. So I forgot the X Men comics used to say the words energy signature all the time. <laughs> And so, yes. And that is Gen X 6. And out of the three, I had more fun with this one than the other two. Oh, yeah. yeah definitely. Um, for me personally, I think the character interactions are way outweigh the just sort of almost slight plot that's there. Right. Uh, which is setting up things for other comics constantly. Um, and... I just think that just when these characters are on are like clicking quite well and when the script's working, the dialogue is snappy enough, it, it just shows why there's such a great cast of oddballs. Um the art's not the strongest, and there are some weird proportional moments for certain characters. Mm-hmm. But I do like the colour mostly I like the colour work, um, apart from that psychic energy, which is weird to me. She looks really off. But anyway, even Sync's like digitally colored rainbow looks different in this issue than it has in, in previous issues. It looks a little bit more artificial right. and, and stands out more. Um, exactly. I mean, I, I mentioned at the beginning, the art's kind of it's a little off. You can tell that it's not fully Bacalo orchestrating every detail, but there are some still some great panels. I want to say like the first page with the notes and like the close up of Emma uh, looks gorgeous. Uh, the, the panel where she's kicking uh, Leech. Uh, is kind of brutal and looks great. The stuff with Jono and um, Paige, even though it's not as spectacular as it previously is, it's it's still nice. There's there's a lot of like little moments here. It's just, you know, the first five issues of Gen X are, at least art wise, are are almost like the pinnacle of of what Bacalo can do. That when it doesn't quite live up to that, it feels like a letdown, even if it's not bad. You know what I mean? Because exactly. it's not as good as it what it could have been. Right. But yeah, like you said, there's some nice, still some really nice parts. I like, there's two panels of Jubilee. The one, it's like when you first see her, where she's saying it's, uh, Skin t- tells her she hates, he hates kids. And she's like, no, really? I am shocked. Right. You know, that's adorable. And she definitely does look like a teenager there, as opposed to a lot of times where teenagers in comics look like they're in their 20s. Yeah. You know, 
And again, also that one panel when they find Emma Frost and it's her popping her head upside down. I love that panel, yeah. Yeah. Just like really cute ones there. So, yeah, I I had the most fun with this issue. I forgot how crazy this little this series was in the beginning and how bizarre and weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like it's almost Vertigo-esque at times. Like it's almost like a Vertigo version of a, of a superhero book. Oh, it's not afraid to go crazy for sure. You know, at least in the early days. Mm. I like how Al, you mentioned, it, and Dan and I have brought this up before, but the teenage characters in this book aren't really sexualized. Emma is, but that's kind of like her style to use her sexuality to sort of get what she wants. But, and she's an adult. Right. But there's, I mean, like Jubilee's is like not at all uh, sexualized, but even Paige, when she's like bending over the tub and like throwing up, even though her ass is up in the air, it's not like a sexy ass up in the air it's just like a regular person who's like bent over heaving there's nothing sexual about it you know what i mean i was actually thinking about that and like the next page when they're in her room right and he's telling her you know she's starting to hit on him he's like you're drunk and she's like am i and you know she's trying to give him like that flirty look but she looks like somebody who is a teenager now yeah, right. if if you're 17 16 years old then yeah that's going to turn you on but as an adult looking at that i'm like yeah, that's a teenage girl, not, you know, a 25-year-old woman that's supposed to be hot. Right, exactly. You know, it actually looks like a teenage girl. Like, I'm, I was impressed by that. How about you, Dan? Did you have any, like, standout art moments throughout the book? I actually really like the um, fact that they... I still think we mentioned it enough, but um, they, the color team on this book usually really do have a nice eye for lighting. Mm-hmm. Like lighting panels and like like I really like the panel of them just above the grate lit by the candles underneath, um, and I just generally oh yeah that's wonderful things that like the only time I, I I was like ooh the art's a little unforgiving was um is it M where she's like lifting the stuff she looks mm-hmm. a bit bizarre but I generally just love that um M always has an upturned nose almost right when she's talking to Jubilee. Yeah, and that's always a fantastic thing to see, and I do think that um, out of the three books, artistically, this this has a little bit more character to it, which I usually don't. I usually maybe probably lean towards Alan Davis, but uh, I feel like there's a lot more here in the backgrounds and just little oh yeah of fun. And and the panel layouts are are still quite nice in this book as well. Yeah, and speak what you said about that, the fun. I do like in that one panel, that one page you're talking about with M holding up the slab. You got you, see, yeah. you, got, you got you got the frog there. Yep. You got, you got a frog in there somewhere. <laughs> there are always frogs and turtles in this book somewhere, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I you guys mentioned it, but you know, I'll just echo that. This is I had the most fun with this book as well. Even if it wasn't sort of up to the sort of ungodly standards we've had the previous uh five plus um uh gen next issues it like i still enjoy the artwork this still feels it's amazing that lobdell can manage all these characters interacting and no one feels left out uh i feel like we bring it up every issue dan but this feels like a team being a team together instead of you know uh, exiles was just blink doing something and everyone else silent in the background and there's like written history here that works really well. The Wolverine panels. Um, I like uh, Ian doesn't read comics. Um, and I got him to read Gen X, and he well this one, this one and the last one, 
and he didn't really know that Jubilee and Wolverine had like a father-daughter surrogate relationship until mm. those panels. So it works for new re- readers as well. People that just don't really know much about, like they just it just knows that Jubilee does fireworks and Wolverine does claws. You know what I mean? So right. like, and it works on on that that level. Which um, I'm always intrigued that some books are too heavily um, entwined to to their to their complex continuity without trying to like just lay bare simple emotional beats. And I think that the Wolverine bit in here is just really good. And I'm not I don't usually care for Wolverine cameos. So um I was I was quite impressed. Yeah but... that moment was super sweet. I really appreciated that they, they brought that up. Cause she hasn't really thought about Wolverine at all. Um you know, I think she's like said goodbye in that uncanny issue that was really not so good. Uh, we read uh, however many episodes ago, but uh, it was nice to see them sort of get back together for for a minute and her sort of console him and you know the pride that he was you know speaking about for trying to become a better X Man. It's it's really lovely. Yeah, no, that was a good. It was a cute scene. I like that. Hmm. I mean, it, I, I've forgotten until I read this issue because I had kind of went in and out with the X-Books at this time. And I think I popped back in only because of Age of Apocalypse. Right. And then stayed on with them afterwards. And I remember that And what you, I was thinking about as we were talking when you were talking about the G Nation showing up here randomly. And I believe when I remember, because I started reading all of them briefly, you know, all again, once Age of Apocalypse was over, I was like, oh, let me read all the X-Books again mm-hmm. just for a little while. And I think they were at a point again where they were trying to keep up like make it a cohesive thing because right. they, they, they had first shown up like the month before, like in the, the first issue of uncanny X, when they came out of age of apocalypse had gene nation. And then th- this is like a month later and this is like them having escaped the X-Men and now we're here with generation X. So I was like, Oh yeah, they were trying to do this whole thing. They were trying to keep everything consistent and right. They were working on the way of planning of the plan for onslaught. Oh yeah. But then, of course, we because this is that's when that starts right after Age of Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. But I think you know then, of course, you had some issues like the fact of Mark Wade only being on five issues of X Men. Mm-hmm. He's gone, so that kind of you know the plan the plan went away pretty quickly. But they were, <laughs> in this very fierce month or two after Age of Apocalypse, they were really trying to keep everything because co- consistent and coherent. Right. I, I want to say, like my memory's coming back to me, that right after Age of Apocalypse, there was like an X-Men Prime issue. Mm-hmm. Like an oversized that sort of laid out where all the books were. And there yes. was an issue, I want to say, where Storm went to fight. Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, we just saw her uh, with the bones. Um, Mero. Yeah, yeah. Where she went to fight her. I want to say it happened around the same time as well. Yeah, that would have been 325. It was like a big showdown. Because now it's, now it's flashing back. Right. 325 was like a big showdown with Gene Nation because this was when Mero was still just a straight up murderer. Right. Until they decided, yep. no, that doesn't count. We can make her a hero. <laughs> Which, yeah, because I, yeah. I, I never liked I'm... that. Sorry. That's no, all right. Every, every, everyone, else, everyone else in the X Men's murdered at least once or twice, it would seem. So. <laughs> but yeah. What's so, one more? That's true. But yeah, no, they had that X Men Prime because that's when they kill uh, Rusty from X Factor. Oh, you remember boy. him? Well, X Factor. Everyone from X Factor dies. I feel like. Oh yeah, the, X, the X Terminator team, the the kid team with Boom Boom and Richter, and it was Rusty and Skids. Oh right. Hey. He was the one that does fire. Right. 
So we, in this issue, we get to see that Leech, uh, we know what his powers are, but we don't really know what Artie does in this book yet, do we? Just projects some sort of tel- like hologram. Oh, right, right. We had the previous issue where he did that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've been around since X Factor 2, but yeah, if you didn't read anything before that, if you're just reading here now, yeah, Artie does nothing here but just stand there and look at you. Right. <laughs> he does as much as the dog does. He just kind of stares at you with the big eyes. He's like, hmm. Right. So, uh, next issue, we've got uh, the the boys, Skin and, and Sink, decide to build like a, a tree fort for Artie and Leech. I remember this issue, kind of, but looking at the the creatives, at least who's who's mentioned in in MU, it looks like the pencilers Roger Cruz next issue. So uh, maybe we're starting to see Chris Bucklow unable to continue with the series here. Dan, it's like the uh, the corners are starting to fall off here. I don't think it. Well, maybe it's the start of the corners falling off, but we'll see going forward. Well, I mean, I'm not. It's not like he just like stops. I think he goes 25 issues ish. Uh, yeah, but we're starting to see him unable to keep up with the schedule, which, I mean, we love Bacalo, but basically any series that he's on, he needs sort of large breaks to catch up and, and be as detailed as, as he needs to be. Yeah, he's probably best at, like, series of miniseries. You know when, um, yeah, yeah. You know, like right now, um, Amazing Spider-Man has, like, Ramos will do, like, an arc, like five issues, and then Otley will do five issues kind of a thing. I think that's where, where Bacalo fits well, where he can do five issues and then have a break and come back with like five more issues. Yeah, yeah I think you're right there. I mean, the only downside for things like that is then you're kind of make, forcing it to always be these story arc stories as opposed to right something more organic because you're not going to want to do like a two-part thing where he's, you know where the last issue is like it's his last issue and the other guy's first. No, you don't want to do that at all, no. Because that screws things up. So it's now you're kind of almost forcing everything to be in. The, I mean, I understand why they do that, and it makes sense, but then sometimes it feels like they're just... Now it's like, well, everything's going to be... That's volume one. That's going to be the next five parts. That's going to be the next five parts. Mm-hmm. For sure. It can be confusing. I mean, maybe if he was able to do something like like the Hellboy model. Do a four-issue miniseries and take a, you know... Okay, take a few months to do your next do the next miniseries, and we'll just count that as the next four issues. Yeah. I just, you know, I, and I think we talked about this previously, uh, Dan, but I really enjoyed uh, Bacalo's um, Doctor Strange books uh, more than you. But there are, there are parts of that where he's on like the first trade and then he's off for like two trades and then he's back for another trade. And you're like, oh man, I missed you because the film artist didn't quite bring it the way you do. So it's, it's always sad when, when one of the reasons you're buying a book sort of disappears. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, I think we, we all really enjoyed this issue uh, oh, yeah. a lot. Um, maybe not as high as the previous issues, but this, this was this was a lot of fun. Uh, Gen X number six. All right. Well, um, that's that's our issues for the week. Is there anything else you guys want to bring up? Any news? Anything X Men related? Not I can think of. I think we covered most of it already. <laughs> I mean, is there any <laughs> other news? Has anything happened since? Oh, I, I have no idea. No idea at all. But uh, Al, why don't you take this time to sort of plug plug what you're doing and, and where you are with your episodes and what's coming up. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, well, when is this coming out? Do you know? In a couple days, say like around the 20th. Oh, oh, this week. Okay, cool. Then that helps. 
right. So yeah. Well, I, we're, sorry, we're past the twentieth. So we're talking maybe like the twenty second, twenty third. Oh, okay, yeah. But this week, either way. Yes. Okay. I just wasn't sure how far ahead you were recording, that's all. All right, well, I do Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, which is, well, it's about Marvel's characters, Adam Warlock and Thanos. I mean, it's really right there in the title. It's not <laughs> hidden. There's no trick, I promise. Uh-huh. Um, most recently, we just had episode 99 come out, and uh, so episode 100 is going to be out in a few weeks, within another week or two of this issue, this episode coming out, and we're going to be covering Warlock 13 and 14 from the late 70s, which is Adam Warlock versus Star Thief, which is a pretty cool two-parter by Jim Starlin. Cool. And we also have a lot of stuff going on in that episode. I have like six or seven different podcasting guest stars. Oh, wow. Yes, Man. including we got John Wilson, we got Brian Zeno, um... Blaine Dowler, Sarah Sentry, Jeff and Rick from uh, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, and even a brief cameo by Jay from Jay and Miles. Wow, that's a, that's a large cast. I don't know how you would do that logistically. That's a lot. They're not all together at once. Makes sense. Different different bits, different parts. But yeah, those are all there. So, And so you find out wherever... Just type in Adam Warlock or Thanos in any podcatcher. It'll pop up. Or go to our main page, uh, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. Awesome. So you said you're at 99 episodes. How long have you been doing this? Uh, about four or five years. 2014, I think it was. Okay. So, like, how regular are your episodes? Supposedly, every <laughs> other week. You know, tw- you know two, every Close two enough. weeks. Cool. So, yeah. Or, like, or two weeks, actually. So it's supposed to be, like, 26 episodes a year. Reality, sometimes a little less than that. It's tough to, to do that regular schedule. I think Dan and I decided right away, like, we're just going to try and do once monthly just to, like, ease our conscience and not put, like, too much pressure on ourselves to, to perform here, which has made it, like, a, a fun hobby rather than, like, a like a side work project. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I, I, I was more rigid in the beginning, trying to be rigid in the beginning, but it didn't work out and life would happen. So I just... right. If I can do it on the time I want to do it, great. If not, I don't kill myself. <laughs> you know, if I have a plan for an episode to be out like on a certain day and after three days, I'm like, if it's more than three days late, then I just go, oh, well, then what's the next time I want to have an episode out? Okay, right. that's when it's going to be. But I mean, I'm actually ahead enough right now that actually I'm almost done editing 100 and I already have 101 recorded. So oh my. for now, we're good. Look who plans ahead, Dan. We're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants, but Al here no. has his shit together. Oh. Actually, I just did oh. a recording with uh, last week that's for uh, late December. Oh, jeez. That's insane. That's insane. <laughs> it's trying to get people together. Yeah, that's that's always tough. Yeah. Even when, when you know Jason will have us guests on to cover like, current X-Books, it's always... Like even just three people getting together to record is 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 tough. I mean, I think when I reached out to you, Al, it was like, all right, first half of July is just not possible. So uh, even for just us three to get together is no, not super tricky. But you know, we got adult schedules. It's always a little bit tough. Yeah, there's always things you have to do. It's like, oh, well, I have to be a grown up. Yeah, uh, I just want to stay home and read X Men books. What's what's wrong? Yeah, that that sounds like a good plan. Yeah. Well, you know, Al, thank you so much for, for joining us. We really appreciate you uh, jumping on and, and covering stuff. Um, yeah, thank you Thanks much. for having me on. 
Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been fun. And it's nice to, since my show, you know, I'm sure like for you, it's like your show is about something specific. So it's nice to be able to get get out and do something a little different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's uh, not going to be much X-Men stuff on my book for a long <laughs> time. I mean, yeah, I think that Alan Davis run where they have like a fake version of Warlock is like the first time I really would do any X-Men issues. <laughs> well, that's, wow, yeah. That's like around... Um, that's around the time of what is that called? Uh, what was that bad, that story arc they did where they made the aliens made Earth a prison? Dan, any idea? Maximum security. That's it. Oh, okay, there we go. So, uh, like two thousand one. Yeah. I wasn't. I, I didn't. I didn't read comics in two thousand and one. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> on the, I did, but only like Exiles, I think, and a few handfuls. You didn't miss much with that one. That's fine. So you're fine. Don't worry about it. But yeah, I think that's the first time there's any like X. I would be doing any X books on my show is then. Well, if you're still in Jesus, the 70s, right? that'll take you a while. Yeah. Yeah, we got a while to go. Well, Dan, where can um, we, we know where to find uh, Alice podcast? Where can people find more from us? Um, on Twitter, uh, Excalibur Bros. One is probably the best part of call. Uh, one Podbean, SoundCloud, iTunes, and you can type us into Google and we should turn up immediately, um, as well as like Destiny 2 stuff, but we, we're there too. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's probably the easiest way to get into Traverse or listen to the podcast. Mm. And send us a, a message on Twitter. We're always looking for more uh, interactions on the Twitterverse. Yes, and also don't we have we have Patreon as well. So yep, we have wanna... a Patreon account. We're we're trying to figure out what we're going to cover next movie wise. We we did a review of um, Spider Man Far From Home. So next up, uh, I think we have a poll out for what we'll what we'll be covering next time. I think uh, might be a, a Marvel movie or maybe Captain America or Iron Man one, something like that. So that'll wow. be up uh, next month. Yeah, what you need to cover then, unless you unless I missed it. Hmm? Generation X. Oh, I mean, eventually we'll cover that made-for-TV movie slash pilot. I think <laughs> we have to wait until we're both prepared to cover that. That is something. So drunk? Maybe it can be, yeah. maybe it can be our special Christmas episode to, to everyone. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Punishment for us and a present for everyone else, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that movie. Whew. I... I think that was like one of the last VHS tapes I still have owned because I taped that when it came out. I remember taping that as well and being like, wait a second, that doesn't look like Jubilee. Who is this evil dude who's just like being Jim Carrey? What's going on here? <laughs> Why are they fighting Max Headroom? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like all the, they like added new characters. It was weird. Like I still loved it because I was like 14 or something. It was like, any anything of, of my comic books that was on TV, I was just gonna love because you got so little of it. But whatever you got, you took. Yeah, but still, it was like, what is going on? But we'll we'll get there eventually. Uh, but otherwise, you can catch up. Uh, you know, catch up with us on Twitter. Um, we'll probably be recording with Jason in another couple of weeks, and we'll finish up all of the uh, Uncanny slash Age of X Men stuff that will finally be finished. Thank God. And, uh, you know, we'll have the new Excalibur uh, book joining us in October. So look for that in, you know, four months-ish. 
Um, but uh, yeah, Al, this is so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on. Again, thank you guys. I had a lot of fun with this, so I appreciate you guys having me on. Awesome. This was cool. No worries. All righty. Well, uh, we'll talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Awesome. Thank you.